Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome, everybody, to Gridiron Blitz 398. Oscar Lopez in the house. We're going to have uh, Coach Terry Lister here in a couple minutes. We're going to be talking college football as, long as, uh, as well as Holly's Corner. We'll dive it into the football rankings, plus we will dive into the Week 10 and kind of start to preview Week 11. Then in about 40 minutes, we are going to have the uh, backseat coach, a.k.a. Mark Simone, coming in here to give us the lowdown on everything that's happening in the women's game internationally in Australia and Mexico as well as the championship over in the Czech Republic, getting ready for the championship in Austria this coming weekend again on the November 11th. So we'll dive into everything that's happening at the women's game. Uh, and if you know where to go, you go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties. That is the place to be. Get everything that you need to know of what's happening in the sport, plus the NFL and college football breakdowns right there by all major outlets. So check it out right there at the hub. Facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. That is where you want to be. Uh, we're also going to have in the second hour the breakdown of uh, Week 10 key games, including the Aaron Rodgers situation. Plus, we'll also give the breakdown in terms of the Monday night, Sunday night, and Mon- and uh, Thursday night breakdown with the Salty One, Mackenzie Brooks, as well. Don't forget to uh, follow us on Twitter at Gridiron Beauty for the latest updates on women's American football and NFL news. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and download over 300 episodes. And don't forget to go to our sponsor of the podcast, Monkey Knife Fight, during the 20, uh, 2021 NFL season, including now the NBA season. Use the code NJF to get started. Get a, a $5 free play up to a $100 match. Go right there, monkeyknifefight.com. Use the code NJF to get started and get yourself going into some bucks, all right? Um, also, uh, visit our Zazzle No Joke Football Shop for cool shirts, leggings, and gifts all through the holiday. So between now and December, go to the No Joke Football Shop at Zazzle.com. You get yourself some cool shirts for under $25. Depending on the type of material and shirt and size you need, you can get it under $20. Uh, plus, you get some cool sh- uh, free shipping stuff on select items. So check it out. Go to Zazzle.com forward slash uh, Gridiron Beauties, get yourself some cool shirts. Use the code and um, Zazzle Thanks. If there's a bigger code, up to 25, 50% off, use the bigger code, of course. And if you're in uh, Australia or in Europe, check it out. Go right down to the uh, Zazzle shop. Go all the way to the bottom. There will be your country code. Go to the country page of your country. Then you'll be able to save on shipping. Also be able to pay in your own denomination. So help us uh, support us and go to Zazzle.com for slash Gridiron Beauties. All right. So we're going to be diving in here to college football right here with the coach, uh, Terry Lister of TL Talks Podcast. What's going on this week? Oh, not too much. Just another week. Um, any week that the Browns win is a good week, so I'm, I'm in a good mood for the most part. Bro, I don't even know why you're not totally ecstatic. I mean, you got to get up to that uh, McKenzie hype. Your Browns won, bro. The rest of us are in sorrow. I mean, it's hard to match McKenzie, but I am I am a happy guy. <laughs> we, we took care of business in Cincinnati, and it was a pretty decisive win. So 
I'll take that for now. Hopefully we can do the same in New England. Coach, uh, I mean, this whole thing about uh, Odell leaving, I uh, really Mm -hmm. just kind of like overblown, I guess, in a lot of ways because he was never really a factor in this offense, right? It's mostly tight ends, and you guys are running the the two-back set. And now that you get Chubbs this week, what a huge difference for this offense. Yeah, um, the Odell thing is kind of hard to diagnose. Um, You know, Odell – went out with a serious knee injury last season and the Browns went on to win a lot of games and actually not only make the playoffs, but win a playoff game. So we've already kind of proven that we can win without Odell. What's weird to me is, you know, Odell is like a generational talent receiver. Um, I think the unknown for me is, is he still that, or is he not the same player after the injuries he's had? Cause he's had several injuries in his career. And so I can't really answer that. What I, what I can answer is that, for whatever reason, whether it's Odell not gotten the same page with Baker as far as routes or the, the way the offense is run, um, whatever the reason, it wasn't working out. And so, you know, it's kind of time to go our separate ways. But um, first game without Odell, we've put up 41 points, including a pick six. So, so far, so good. Yeah, I'm not surprised that the offense would run efficiently without him. I was shocked and kind of angry that your boy Landry screwed me over on on Fandle. Just sad. Well, like that's very. You know what I mean? It's like Oscar. the Denver yeah. defense <laughs> scored more points than Landry the whole game. I was so mad. I was like, yeah. "What the hell?" Well, the thing is, you know, with fantasy and Fanduel and all these other ways, you can um, you know choose players. Uh, to a certain extent, it, you know, you can use your, your intelligence to make money. But then, unfortunately, a, a pretty healthy percentage also is just pure luck. You know what I mean? Just whether it's an injury that happens or in the case of Landry, you know, if you look at it on paper, Landry's been the number one receiver for the Browns pretty much for a few years now, ever since he joined the Browns. Even when we had Odell, Jarvis was still kind of the go-to guy. Um, it was – so, Terry, it was just bad that he didn't put up as – you know, he put up points. My point is, yeah. you know, I was, my expectation was a little higher. That's all I'm saying. Like, I was disappointed in well, the output, which I thought for right sure they'd so. throw to him. But then, obviously, yeah. I didn't take into account the higher percentage of it in terms of Chubb being back, that they would actually go yeah. to the ground more than they would on the air. And I think that was literally my well, miscalculation. Yeah, it's, it's a week-to-week basis, right? It all depends on your matchup, the coaching plan. Mm-hmm. And I think what this this Browns offense is going to be going forward is a run-first offense that Baker throws, you know, low um, low-risk passes for a high percentage, and he spreads the ball around. And so that's not good for fantasy owners or people playing FanDuel, but it is good for the Browns because with Odell gone, there's nobody really, you know, expecting a lot as far as touches and Baker can just make his reads and, you know, it works out better. So I would stay away from <laughs> Browns receivers or tight ends in FanDuel because it's a crapshoot. You know, you're basically just hoping that okay. well, you get lucky. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to not take your advice because obviously I lost. So I'm, I'm going to take your yeah. advice because I, I, <laughs> I did take Chubb. Uh, I yeah. did have 150 lineups and I did take Chubbs and I put Chubbs in there for like, maybe 40% of those lineups. So I did bank uh-huh. on the running game. I just did not have yeah. a good luck with, uh, you know, Landry being sprinkled in. I did sprinkle in Landry, in other words. It's not like I had 
90% Landry, right? I'm not like, right. I didn't go overblown. Yeah, it could be worse. But, you know, could I was hoping worse. that could he would get a couple of the same targets and it'd probably throw me over the top and stuff like that. So, uh, just to be clear, yeah, I didn't win a million. You know, I don't play in the million pool because that's just a fool's <laughs> game. Okay. So, normally I'm playing, you know, the five cent, 25 cents, a uh, dollar, two dollar play because, uh, you know, you can make a quick five hundred dollars or two fifty or you know, uh, in that kind of that kind of realm. So I'm good for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I'm not gonna. I'm not sitting there throwing away a uh, hundred bucks on, on the big million play because that great. You're not. You're gonna be torn apart and you're just gonna. They're just gonna eat your money. It's like throwing your money in the That's in the uh, toilet basically. So you gotta exactly be mindful. Right. Nope. And you also be smart. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Low risk, high reward. That makes sense to me. Yeah, and then, and then if you're playing on Monkey Knife Fight, like I was uh, with the more or less, uh, thank you very much, uh, you know, Nick Chubbs, because I, I took the over on Nick Chubbs, and I put in 30 bucks, so I made my 90 bucks. So that was really good. Triple my money. Oh, We're yeah. good to go. <laughs> you know? <laughs> when Nick Chubb is playing, he's a pretty safe bet, so. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's like a no-brainer, right? <laughs> it's like he's going to yeah. get most of the touches, and it's like, okay, it just, it's the over, cause it's, and it was. It was the over, way over. So, um, yeah. so you know, you got to just be wise about it. But if you go to if you go to Mike and I fight, use the code NJF, get started. You get a, you basically up to a hundred dollar match. So it's a five dollar free play. You can play five dollars. Mm-hmm. If you if you win and you got good intuition, you could have made fifteen bucks just on us giving you five dollars. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right, um, Terry. Um, can we say Alabama not much relevant anymore after this LSU game? And given the fact that they they were literally – they're not the same team, right, that we talked about like, at the beginning of the season. Everybody's like, oh, okay, Alabama. And then as soon as they get dropped off, I, I think mm-hmm. maybe Nick Saban's reality check is coming into play this season because it's like uh, Nate was ranting in our uh, message board. You know, they don't deserve mm-hmm. to be, like, even in the top probably five, they probably deserve to be, like, in the top ten if, if at that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of a sore subject for me because, you know, I'm not a fan of um, how biased the uh, rankings seem to be towards SEC teams. Um, I realize that Alabama's been the most dominant team in college football for a while now, and I realize the SEC is a very good conference. Um, and, I mean, they are the, the toughest conference. But, you know, as far as the, the bias goes, you know, when, when you're, you're seeing – Georgia's phenomenal this year, so I don't I don't argue with them being number one. But when you when you kind of give Alabama the nod and, and give them number two when they've already lost, you know, to Texas A and M, and then they have a close game with LSU, and like, you know, LSU's not not good at all. LSU's in the like they're they're getting rid of their coach after this season, so that's never a good sign. So yeah, all those all those things point to Alabama's not the dominant team that they usually are. And so what's frustrating for me as a, as a football fan is they're still, they're still given, you know, credit, which to, to Nate's point, that is very frustrating. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, I guess. A lot of it revolves around money. And unfortunately, I don't see that stuff changing anytime soon as far as the SEC and Alabama getting favor. Um, but I just hope that my Ohio State Buckeyes can, can slide in there, basically just have a shot. Terry, uh, you're not you're not coming out here saying this is this is a little bit of politics in terms of the power scheme with, within the conferences because <laughs> everybody knows that right now. That's like already there. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. I mean, that's just yeah. obvious. Uh, to Nate's point, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was blowing a gasket and probably having high blood pressure because he's probably yeah. on the you know on the conscience mentality. So um, all things mm-hmm. could add up to what the, the Alabama dropping to what number three or number four this coming week. You know, it, I, I I don't have the rankings in front of me, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be dropped to either three or four. So I mean, at this point, while Oregon's win at Ohio State trumps anything the Tide has on their resume, this it's all you know. It's literally, to Nate's point, getting very difficult to justify why Alabama should be in that top five or top six. Yeah, I mean, they beat LSU by six points. LSU's not very good at all. And so you would think um, that that would drop them down. You know, it's hard to say how much. If they were number two before that game, you know, like you said, you probably assume that they dropped to three or four. Um, But – with the people that do this ranking system, um, you know, it, it doesn't always follow logic, in my opinion. And so you kind of just have to wait and see. I think if you break it down, Terry, uh, Ole Miss is a two-loss team. Mississippi State, which mm-hmm. the committee has deemed a top 25 in its first ranking, has, now has four losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Five-loss mm-hmm. Florida, right, has embarrassed itself. So what is it? You know, is it four loss Miami, Mercer, Southern Miss, Tennessee? I mean, certainly it's not going to be LSU, right? Yeah, I wouldn't say LSU. Um, I mean, I guess we'll just wait and see. But you mentioned in the um, in the group chat that it's, in your opinion, it's Georgia's the best team in the nation. It's not even close um, compared to everybody else. And I, I think I mostly agree with that. You know, I think they're much better mm-hmm. than Alabama. I think they're they're much better than you know. I think there was a there was Michigan State that was up there until they got knocked off, and there was mm-hmm. um, Iowa was Iowa was up there until they got knocked off, and then there's Oregon is around in that same ballpark. Um, I think Ohio State's better than Oregon now. They weren't obviously weren't when they played them, um, but Ohio State has a young team, so I think they've progressed. But yeah, I mean, I feel I feel like it is. I, I agree with you. I think Georgia has proven that, that their pedigree this year is a lot better than everybody else, and so it's kind of I wouldn't say it's a fight for second place, um, but one of these teams has to really step up and play a near flawless game and have a great game plan coaching wise to knock Georgia off, even if it's in the national championship. And so um, that's kind of how I view it. Terry, after Michigan's loss this weekend, I, I don't think there there are no remaining undefeated teams in the Big Ten. So the yep. Spartans were ranked Correct. number three overall in the first rankings. But with mm-hmm. the loss, uh, they might get down to number four. Uh, one loss is obviously not the end of the world, as Michigan and Ohio State each have a loss as well. But the remaining schedule mm-hmm. there makes it interesting for the conference, right? So Michigan State finishes yeah. its season with, uh, with Maryland, Ohio State, and Penn State. Well, the Buckeyes mm-hmm. also have to play Michigan and, uh, what, Penn State as well. So there's, it's kind of an interesting dynamic for these two, these two programs. And see, uh, you know, it would basically mean among everything, Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State, at least two teams will have one more loss uh, in the season. But if Ohio, Ohio State finishes the next three games, uh, you know, in, in good shape, that means uh, the Spartans and the Wolverines will each have at least two total losses, which – would push them out of the playoff picture, and that would put Ohio mm-hmm. State, um, you know, in that situation where 
I mean, they're not they're not safe either, but their performance against Nebraska obviously stands out. Yeah, so Ohio State's already played Penn State, but our our three remaining games are really interesting because we have Purdue next, which Purdue's been like the giant killer, right? They've been the team that's mm-hmm. knocked off these undefeated teams, so it's got to scare Ohio State a little bit. Then our last two games are against Michigan State and Michigan. So we always play Michigan last um, as, you know, the rivalry game at the end of the season, which I, I, I like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, all, all three of those games have a lot of – a lot riding on them. So what I like, like as an Ohio State fan is our destiny is in our own hands. You know what I mean? We can make or break ourselves with how we play in those three games. And then if we, if we, if we can win all of them, then we obviously deserve a shot in the uh, college playoffs. Um, but if we don't, you know, we don't deserve it. So I like that. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, let's go ahead and uh, get, let's go ahead and get uh, Holly's take here on the, um, the week 10. Sounds good. Welcome back to Holly's Corner. Here are some of the most interesting results in college football from the weekend. Number two, Alabama 20, LSU 14. I never thought I would hear the day that a Nick Saban coach to Alabama team would end a game with only six yards rushing. They averaged 0.2 yards a carry. Credit LSU. They had nothing to lose in this game, and they went after it. Even down at halftime, they kept coming and created turnovers. Suddenly, this Bama team looks beatable. Purdue 40, number 3, Michigan State 29. Just called Purdue the giant killers because they did it again. Kenneth Balker got his for the Spartans, but Aiden O'Connell had the game of his life. He threw for 536 yards and three touchdowns. Michigan State plays with fire and gets burnt. Number 4, Oregon 26, Washington 16. This really should have been 33-16, but a last-second touchdown was called back due to play clock issues. Don't ever let them fool you that only the South is a place of rivals. The Oregon-Washington hate is real. This game was a mini-monsoon, and Oregon imposed her will in the second half, running for 329 yards, including 211 by Travis Dye. Washington knew they were going to run, and they couldn't stop it. The Washington offense has to be the most vanilla and predictable I've seen in I don't know how long. So bad that the OC got canned the next day. Jimmy Lake certainly had to eat his trash-talking words as his game management down the stretch was head-scratching, to say the least. This Duck fan enjoyed it from her seat in the stadium, high in the 300s in the Duck fan section. Number 5, Ohio State 26, Nebraska 17. Nebraska, Nebraska, Nebraska. They outplayed the Buckeyes and had many, many opportunities to turn the corner and take this one, but they couldn't get out of their own way. Untimely turnovers and penalties killed them. Stroud had a mixed bag of 405 yards passing and two touchdowns, but also had two picks. Ohio State survives and advances. Number 6, Cincinnati 28, Tulsa 20. This will not do it for the Bearcats. They were rightly disappointed about the first playoff committee rankings, but they seemed to let it get to them. Right now, they need to win out and win big. Letting a Tulsa hang around is concerning. North Carolina 58, number 9, Wake Forest 55. This was a wild game. North Carolina had a monster fourth quarter and outscored Wake Forest 24-7 in the final segment. It was a run game that pushed UNC over the top. Ty Chandler had 213 yards rushing and four touchdowns, and Sam Howell ran for another 104 yards and two touchdowns. Wake Forest had some key turnovers and now have to be left feeling disappointed and wondering what if. 
Number 14, Texas A&M 20. Number 13, Auburn 3. Bo Nix did Bo Nix things and ended the game with 150 yards passing and a pick for a 26.1 QBR. The Auburn offense couldn't move the ball and the Aggies took advantage. Big confidence boost for the Aggies as they head down the stretch of their schedule. All right. Uh, so, Terry, there you go. Uh, Holly's take, uh, similar to yours in terms of Purdue. Uh, she's on the same page mm-hmm. you are. Um, Oregon and Washington, kind of interesting in that sense, right? Uh, we never think of the you know rivalries beyond the East Coast, but she does have a point. There are some you know real heated rivalries out there on the West Coast. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, like you said, you know, I'm from Ohio. I'm, a, I'm an Ohio State fan, and the rivalry we have with the team up north gets me going personally. Um, I think I hate the Steelers as a Browns fan more, but that doesn't matter. But anyways, there's rivalries, and it's what makes this makes the sport great. Um, and it's kind of interesting to hear about rivals in other parts of the country because you know they're just as heated. Um, and I just think it's awesome for the sport. Raising All right, um, so I'm going to get uh, to – Sorry. Go ahead. It makes you wonder no, if that's why the LSU-Alabama game was as close as it was. You know what I mean? Because there's sometimes when you're playing a division opponent in the NFL or a rivalry game in college where regardless of records, you just throw the records out and it's going to be a tough game. You know what I mean? And, I mean, that game against uh, Alabama-LSU, I mean, you would have never expected LSU to stay within close range and you would have never expected Alabama to kind of, like, play down that way, right? Because based on what you you always expect them to do. So that was kind yeah, of surprising what Holly was, was saying about like how how many yards rushing Alabama had and what their average per carry. That's just bananas. <laughs> like what? Mm-hmm. Like what? So I mean, kudos to LSU for showing up, but um, they felt. I mean, it would have been better if they won the game, but at least they made it an interesting game, I guess. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a I mean, it was a nice game to watch at the same time because you were shocked that Alabama was even contained that low, you know what I mean? That right. they were literally right. contained. Which normally yeah, they go impressive. up by 40 and then it's the second half it's over and say so you can literally turn it off and guarantee that they're going to win, you know? And this one was really yep. close. Yep. yep All right. Um let's go into uh week uh, go into week 11 with Holly and then we'll kind of dive into week 11 ourselves. Here are the best matchups for college football for next week. Number seven, Michigan at Penn State. Penn State might have fallen off, but they are still a good team, and this will be a test for Michigan on the road. If Michigan wants to make a play for the playoff spot, they have to win this game. Number eight, Oklahoma at number 12, Baylor. Baylor is an underrated team. They play hard. Bohannon has a terrific season at quarterback for them. Oklahoma has been up and down, and this is at Baylor. I'm picking Baylor in an upset, but Kalen Williams will sling the ball. Purdue at number five, Ohio State. Can Purdue do it again? I'm not sure how they're not ranked at this moment. What we have learned about the Buckeyes is that it's feast or famine for them. They're explosive, but they also make mistakes. Purdue has to take advantage when that happens. Washington State at number four, Oregon. Don't sleep on this one. Washington State, despite their off-the-field drama, has quietly had a decent season under their interim coach. This game is at Austin, which helps Oregon, but I want to see more consistency from the quarterback spot to take them to the next level. Number 10, Notre Dame at Virginia. This should be a road test for Notre Dame. The Cavaliers can put up points. Notre Dame is a little more methodical. 
This could be a tough one. All right. Um, let's go into, like, what she's talking about here. I think we have, what, uh, Michigan against Penn State, and then you have Oklahoma yep. against uh, Baylor. Pretty much, I think, mm-hmm. the two top games. you got Washington State against Oregon, not such a factor. And then you also have Purdue, uh, Ohio State. So three of those games, really critical, uh, especially Ohio State here. Like you said, hopefully they're not going to play down to Purdue and it just so happens that Purdue may, you know, may not shock us, pull it off against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the good thing, um, I feel like I'm lucky. Not, this hasn't always been the case, but I feel like I'm lucky as an Ohio fan because I'm a diehard Browns fan and I'm an Ohio State fan, and I have the luxury of having really good head coaches for both teams. And so what that means is is that when the Browns are four and four and they look like they're about to squander their awesome roster um, this season, I trust Kevin Stefanski to, to figure things out and get the, you know, right the ship. And I feel the same way about the Ohio State coach. And so since I feel that way, I'm, I have no doubt that they will be ready and amped up to play Purdue. And Purdue will not <laughs> – Purdue has literally no chance of, of catching the, the Buckeyes off guard. Because we already have seen what they've done, so that you know, All right. there's no so, way we're overlooking. Perry, after Purdue handed uh, number three Michigan State its first loss of the season in that forty to twenty nine win, pretty dominant win yeah. for them. Their second mm-hmm. win of the season over a team that was ranked in the top three of the of the rankings. Um, yeah. So we project at this point that we we're, we'll think. Uh, I think the rankings should come out here. I'll probably start looking them up here. Uh, the committee will either slide Oregon. And Ohio State one spot apiece to like number three, number four, after the Ducks mm-hmm. beat Washington and Ohio State beat Nebraska, right? In a pair of wins in which neither team looked particularly dominant. Michigan State will check mm-hmm. in probably at number five, if we're just projecting here. Uh, Purdue improved to six and three on the season with a win, so uh, Purdue will now be ranked in the Week 11 rankings given their wins over Michigan State and Iowa, and the fact that two of their three losses were to Notre Dame and Wisconsin. So. Cincinnati will probably stay at number six after a shaky performance against Tulsa, in which the Bearcats won barely 28-20 after some dramatic moments on, on the goal line late in the game. So um, the, one, the one I think looking out would be Wake, Wake Forest will probably fall outside the top ten at this point. Yeah, I would expect that. Um, do you know, Oscar, do you know when they come out with the rankings every week? What was that? Do you know, like, what day of the week they come out with the new rankings every week? Uh, it's supposed it like to be 6 Sundays p.m. Uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, which would be today. So uh, that's why I was kind of looking it up right now to see what the rankings are. I'm, I'm just going to try to pull them up right now. Uh, I was oh, going okay. to NCAA.com. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I think they gotcha. should just come out. Um, I was looking for them right now to find out. Um, it looks like, uh, let's see here. I'm trying to look to see which ones. Okay, so top 25, week 11, Georgia number mm-hmm. one, which is 9-0, and Alabama yep. number two, which I think Nate's going to blow his, his brains out, uh, keep him at number man. two, 8-1, Oregon 8-1. That's, why, that, that's eight why, one. why when you asked, me, you asked me earlier, you said, okay, well, Alabama's probably going to slide to three or four. And then my mm-hmm. response to you was nothing would surprise me because the committee doesn't do what's logical. And so once again – true. 
They, you know what I'm saying? They, they squeak by yeah. LSU, who's not a good team, and there's, they didn't move any spot. I mean, it's, just, it's ridiculous. So they literally gave so, them the benefit of the doubt because they ultimately did get the win. Once again. <laughs> once again. Yeah. There. Not based on the ridiculous. performance of just six yards in, in the whole game. <laughs> oh, my God. As Holly had pointed out, right? <laughs> Jeez. Um, so Oregon's 8-1. And that's where Holly's beef is, right? You put Oregon at three, which they probably deserve to be number two at this point, given their their better performance. Uh, and your Buckeyes probably deserve to be number three or number two, <laughs> given their performances. Um, yeah. But all the yeah. uh, eight and one teams, the top, I think, uh, two through five are eight and one teams. So that that's Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, and Michigan. I, I think they're fine there, right? I think they're deserving. I mean, you can slot them in. One 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 slot up or one slot down, but I think they're still deserving of being there in the top five. Yeah, I agree with all of, all the rankings except for Alabama. I think it, you know what? it Here makes you logical have, sense. You have a beef with Alabama? What? Well, yeah. I mean, hold the hold the phone. But yeah, I mean, it's too, obvious that too, too bad one. Nate isn't here because you'd be on the same bandwagon he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you yeah, need I to mean, go on a rant, Terry, we're, we're more than happy to welcome that. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna blow a gasket like Nate, but I do empathize with with how he feels because it's obvious Georgia's number one, um, and, and in my opinion, Oregon should be number two, Ohio State should be number three, Alabama maybe at four, and then Michigan I guess at five, um, but because there is bias towards the SEC and Alabama, they're somehow number two still after squeaking by a very poor LSU team, so. Not surprising, but very disappointing. Terry, uh, your South favorite, Cincinnati. Uh, I think they're fine, right? They're nine and zero. They're not, they haven't been that impressive this 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 last week. They barely get by, and they do get the win. I think they're at, they're, they're right at, at six, right? I think that that's where they deserve to be. Absolutely, yeah. I think six is fair. Um, they're undefeated, but some of the games they've kind of won ugly and some close ones, and so it's not like they're blowing mm-hmm. everybody out. And so I think. Um, six is fair for now. All right. So we, if we look at the bottom between uh, seven and ten, I mean, mm-hmm. you could make a case for Oklahoma being better than Michigan, I guess, in some ways. Or you could say no and leave it as at. Notre Dame being number nine, sort of a bias like Alabama in a lot of ways sometimes, too. They get a little bit yeah. of a, you know, break, if you want to say that. <laughs> um, yeah. So maybe Wake Forest would be – Wake Forest would probably have beef with that too because they're eight and one. You figure they would be probably number nine, right? But they get knocked down to number twelve. So, yeah, I mean, as far as the comparisons, I would say I'm pulling up, um, I'm pulling up. Who were you just talking about? There was seven through ten. There was um, mm-hmm. not, not Notre Dame. Somebody else. Oh, you're talking uh, seven through ten. I was talking about um, I was talking about Oklahoma and Notre Dame. Oklahoma, there it is. Yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah. So, to compare Oklahoma, just to kind of gauge, you know, their how good they are, is like a power rankings kind of thing, especially comparing them to a team like Michigan. Um, they let's see here, Oklahoma. Oh, of course, my phone isn't working. I'll put up the computer in a second, but no problem. Yeah, um, the, um, so go ahead. Yeah, I mean, with 
Oklahoma, I don't, I don't keep track of Oklahoma that closely to just ha- be able to rattle off how their season has went. I know they're, they are a good team. There's a reason they're in the top ten. But you bring up a good point. I mean, Michigan, I haven't been overly impressed with Michigan, and they're ranked, you know, a couple spots above Oklahoma. So that's definitely debatable whether or not that's, you know, if you could switch, if you, if you flip those, if that's more accurate, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, fans get, uh, if you follow it, like, I was more of a pro guy before Holly kind of like we started talking college, but she's more of a diehard college fan and she knows her stuff, you know, and she follows that very uh, closely week to week. So she knows exactly, yeah. you know, who's getting shafted to your point <laughs> and who's mm-hmm. getting the, you know, the, 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 the white glove treatment, <laughs> even on a downfall. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes you angry in that sense. And, and you go into the, you know, the red gasket mode that Nate does. You know, in terms of figuring out why they do what they do, in a lot of ways. <laughs> but um, you know, it just it just goes the way it is, right? So it's like you sometimes you get into this situation where you just look at that and you're like scratching your head and you're going, why why is why are they doing this, right? Why are they doing this with all that stuff? But um, so this coming week, ESPN Saturday primetime will feature. The SEC West battle as number 14, Texas A&M, will take on number 16, Ole Miss. Uh, you also have, um, what's the other games on here? Let me see here. Uh, Michigan, number seven, Michigan, will be uh, and Penn State. Purdue and Ohio State, with uh, both on ABC, which that's the game you're going to be watching pretty much a lot closely. Oh, for um, sure, yeah. Terry, if, if you get to a stage where – we go into the Heisman Trophy uh, situation here. Is there a particular guy that you're looking at right now besides a quarterback? I mean, there's and the quarterbacks are always in that in that prediction for Heisman, and it just it bugs me because I mean, there's got to be others, you know, receivers or defensive players, you know, that kind of stuff, and it does never happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, I wish I could speak on that more. Um, unfortunately, I, I'm a I'm a bigger NFL. I'm like the opposite of Holly. So I'm a bigger NFL fan than a college fan. So I can speak pretty intelligently about, you know, Ohio state and kind of the top 25 teams um, based on, you know, checking scores and stuff and stuff like that. But I'm not sure as far as the Heisman goes, because nobody really jumps out to me like in my mind, um, as far as being like a, just a dominant player that nobody can stop. But I bet Holly could could pick somebody out. I just pulled up Oklahoma's well, record. Cause it, I took down notes for this, and um, so if you want to, you know, we'll, we'll throw it out there before we get uh, Mark in here. I've got five minutes here. Mm-hmm. We get Mark in here and, and get it all done. Uh, quarterback Bryce Young yeah. of Alabama, and probably because he plays in Alabama, right? He's got yeah. more flash, and everybody's taking it. You got quarterback C.J. Stroud, your guy. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's another He's guy right team. there. Okay, yeah. and then you have um, court, uh, what's the other quarterback here? Uh, quarterback Sam Hartman out of Wake Forest. That's another guy that mm-hmm. that everybody's looking at nationwide. Uh, obviously, you can't overlook Kenneth Walker in Michigan, but that's like one game. I don't know if he's been that durable all season. You know what I mean? He's got one top highlight of five touchdowns, and you're just going to throw him in there now into the conversation, right? Yeah. But he has been averaging yeah, 6.8 carries. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of putting somebody in the Heisman conversation because of one crazy game, um, but people do that. But, yeah, I pulled up Oklahoma's schedule, and they barely beat Tulane. 
They barely beat Nebraska. They barely beat West Virginia. They barely beat Kansas State. I mean, they have a ton of close games. They barely beat Texas. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think they're undefeated, but they're barely undefeated. I mean, they're they're undefeated by the skin of their teeth. So, with that so being do we said, give the Heisman uh, to the more battle-tested quarterback, or do we give the, the, the Heisman to this, the, the higher-profile quarterback? You know what I mean? That's literally where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, um, the Heisman conversation is much like the college football rankings conversation um, in that there's some – some factors in there that are, you know, kind of controversial as for why they pick certain players. And uh, I think they usually do a pretty good job of picking a really good player that's deserving. Um, but like you said, it's, it's usually very like quarterback centric as far as how they vote for certain players. And that's not necessarily, mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense. It makes sense because quarterbacks have a lot of control about how a game goes or, you know, good or bad. But it also doesn't make sense because it's a, it's a team game, and every single year you have receivers that are out of this world, running backs that are out of this world, and defensive players are out of this world. You know what I'm saying? So I wish it was a little bit more diverse with the, the positions for picking. But, yeah, I guess it is what it is. <laughs> Quarterbacks so get the glory and the um, Based on uh, three sources, Sporting News, I went to ESPN.com, <laughs> and obviously went to uh, college football news and the NCAA news. So we have Bryce, Bryce Young, quarterback for Alabama, would be your top candidate. Kenneth Walker, the running back from Michigan. Matt uh, Coral, from, quarterback from Ole Miss. C.J. Uh, Stroud, your guy from Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma, Ohio State, I meant. Uh, Caleb yeah. Williams from Oklahoma. Sam Hartman from Wake Forest. And then your, your running back, uh, Trace Vion uh, Henderson, if I'm pronouncing his, right, his name right. Yeah. So those are the top candidates right now for the Heisman. So you got uh, you got two of your two of your uh, your boys in the running for it. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm an Ohio State fan, and Ohio State's playing good football. Uh, hopefully, they can win out. But I, I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't put Stroud or quarterback in that conversation. I think Stroud has done a good job um, this year of being a leader and progressing. He's a he's a young guy an experienced guy who's done a good job with his team and leading them. But, you know, when you're talking Heisman, you're talking the best player in the nation, and that's a different conversation. So um, I think it's flattering if they put him on there. Um, I, I wouldn't put, take him personally, but some of the other, other names you brought up are, are names that I'm familiar with. It was based on looking at scores and highlights and stuff. And so I have to dig deep. If you want me to, I can dig deep into that for the next uh, podcast and tell you what my educated opinion is <laughs> on the well, we're gonna, we're gonna be where... We're going to be diving in week to week anyways into it because that's literally yeah. as we get down the stretch, it's literally what yeah. we're going to have a conversation on. You know what I mean? Like who's, okay. getting, who's deserving yeah. of it, which, which position yeah. is more favorable. Um, I mean, we, you, you will get in, we can get into, into a, a whole, we can do an hour on it. Just going back and forth yeah. on whether somebody's deserving or not of it. But uh, I think, Right now, uh, I would say Alabama. The Alabama quarterback is probably the top ranked out of out of the nation. And you would think that out of the whole nation, uh, you know, the Heisman race down to like just the SEC type type mentality almost every year, right? It's like mm-hmm. nothing else is taken into account in terms of other people. Uh, you would think they break it down by region, 
you know what I mean, and the performances mm-hmm. by region, and then kind of come into a consensus. But that's not the case, I guess. Well, to Nate's point, um, there's there's definitely some some preferential treatment towards the Big Five for conferences, and so mm-hmm. you know whether it's Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma winning it or Kyler Murray at Oklahoma winning it, um, you know the uh, other other ones that have that have won it, they pretty much always come from from those Big Five conferences, and so <clears throat> I mean. There's a lot of good te- got a lot of good teams and good players in those big five conferences, but to Nate's point, there's other good teams outside of that, and there's obviously very good players outside of that, and so um, ideally all those things would be considered. And so I'm not sure if that'll ever happen, but it would be nice. So if we go by stats, if we go by favorite, obviously Bryce Young is the yeah. favorite, but if we go by stats, uh, you would have to put in like Matt Coral. Uh, he has the numbers, basically, because of the fact, you know, has a wide-open offense. So it gives him an opportunity to, you know, to put out more yards. I think he has, like, 1,900 mm-hmm. yards and 15 touchdowns, plus, like, over 400 rushing yards uh, in seven games. So if you go by that, yeah. technically, you would have to put him maybe front-runner, right? But technically, we don't because, uh, I mean, <laughs> Alabama had, what, Tua, Mac Jones, right, as finalists? And now yeah. we have – Bryce Young as well. So, you know, to Nate's point, yeah, I guess there's a little bit of a SEC, right? Always putting them up on the on the pedestal. Yep, absolutely. That's undeniable. And I can see why he's angry. You know what I mean? So hopefully he doesn't <laughs> get blood pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully Nate's okay. But, um, no, I, I like I said, I'm empathetic to what he's saying. I definitely think there's there's valid points from what he's made, he said. And um, unfortunately, the bad news is for Nate is there, there's really – there's no indication that anything's going to change anytime soon because the, the powers that be don't see a problem with the current system. And until they, they do see a problem or they have some kind of pushback, you know, from the out, outside world, um, it's, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all about – mostly things are about money. They have no. There's no reason for them to change things. So yeah, and, and you give a fact that the the higher profile, the higher the profile of the program, right? The more people yeah. put in money into it. Uh, so the, yeah, the exactly. pressure is there where you're not gonna you're not gonna omit a a, a big school. You're gonna make it every excuse in the book whether they lose by two or whether they get routed one week. But the overall picture, yeah. they're gonna just justify that. Okay, they they deserve to be there, right? Because of their namesake. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's, 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 the way not, it is. it's not ideal, but it's it's the current system that we have. You know, it's it's almost like your mom and dad. You know, when you got yourself and two kids, and and there's always one that one favorite kid that they get to slide on, and you gotta kind of uh-huh. you get kid annoyed here you know, until you grow up and you're like trying to question <laughs> it, right? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much what it is. It doesn't happen, right, in the household? No, that never happens. We don't have a favorite <laughs> child. All of them are favorites. <laughs> yeah, the last – I pulled up a list of the Heisman, Heisman winners. It goes Devontae Smith, Alabama, SEC, Joe Burrow, LSU, SEC, back-to-back Oklahoma quarterbacks, um, this big five, then Lamar Jackson, Louisville, then back to Alabama, Derrick Henry, um, mm-hmm. Marcus Mariota, Oregon, Florida State, the Big Five, Texas A&M, 
so yeah, I mean, <clears throat> to Nate's point, the Big Five just dominates a lot of things. It dominates people's opinions. It, it, they get preferential treatment. Um, they win all the awards. They get the most publicity. They get the most exposure. They're talked about the most on ESPN. So they have kind of a, a monopoly of um, things going for them. And so what, what sucks for Nate is I, I don't see how that's going to change. You know what I mean? Like if no, it is that way change. for – yeah, it's just not. So It's not going to change. Hopefully. I mean, you, you would have to yeah. literally – uh, you know, go into a uh, his point. You would have to rescale the whole Division One to Division Two and Division Three format, and that's never going to happen. Nobody's going to just say, "Oh, wait, we're clean. We'll just go fair, right?" I mean, it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to, we you, just have to say a prayer for for Nate's blood pressure, and it is what it is. Hopefully, he doesn't go there because I think he's a smarter guy than that. But it does boil your blood, right? <laughs> when you're sitting there and you're Ohio oh, State, sure, and you get yeah. overlooked, even though you're a better team. And all yeah. of a sudden they tell you, oh, you're you're just a lesser team than this other team, even though the other team looks like crap most of the most of the season, right? So it kind of does boil your blood. You're like, what the hell is this shit? So yeah, yeah. After, all right. After a while, I normally don't cuss on the air, but uh, sometimes you just have to throw in that f word once in a while. <laughs> no, I understand. <laughs> I'm with you. All right. Um, don't forget, everybody, uh, listen to our podcast. Really, really appreciate everybody subscribing to our podcast. And if you enjoy uh, Terry being on here with us in the last, uh, what, the month, Terry? So it's very entertaining. Everybody's giving us great feedback on having you on here, giving your insights, especially oh, with the coaching that. mentality, as, uh, as yeah. uh, Mark has alluded to. Uh, but, you know, if you want to subscribe to our podcast, go ahead and subscribe. Uh, it's on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify. You can also go to glo- globalwomensportsradio.com at the podcast tab. And you can also go to the uh, TuneIn app or any other place you get it at Google Cast. So over 300 episodes, uh, we are going to be heading towards the big 402 episodes, and we should be have all we'll have all the gang back. It's gonna be the biggest bombshell 400 ever, and uh, so it's gonna be pretty exciting in, in about two weeks before Thanksgiving. So it's just gonna be awesome, kind of like kind of like uh, fitting for it to be uh, before Thanksgiving. So it's pretty cool. Um, if you missed our podcast, uh, episode 397, we had Rich Daniel of the DC Divas, the Women's Football Alliance owner. We also had uh, episode 391, Todd Jones and Kim Phillips, WNFC Florida Avengers. Uh, episode 394, Olivia Griswold. And then all the episodes before that, awesome guests. So check them out. Go to uh, the Apple or Spotify or iHeart. And check out uh, Great Iron Beauty's Uplitz podcast right there. Otherwise, go right to the hub, right? Terry, the link's right there. It's a no-brainer. Just click it, and good to go. Yeah, if you're not going to the hub, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, that's what Nate keeps telling everybody, too, but they're not listening. So. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, uh, let's bring in the uh, oracle of women's tackle football, and that would be the backseat coach, a.k.a. Mark Simone, in the house. Uh, Mark, what's going on? Oscar, Terry, you know, I'm just um, uh, anxious, I guess, because I went to the Hub and I saw a new video upload of the game we're going to talk about, uh, the Rose Bowl, over in the the Czech American Football Association. The championship game is there online to watch for everybody if you go to the Hub. And it was an epic match. 
So I'm, I'm excited 14, to, uh, to take a look at that. 14 to 12, Mark. We talked about the stats, how close these two teams were like a week, a week and a half ago, and they did not disappoint us. Uh, Harpies really made a comeback in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, they, you know, they played their heart out in the last four, in the last quarter, and you get to see it right there live, the excitement. You also get to see the highlights of one of their top players right there, um, Tai Dong Ta, which uh, number 80 from the Harpies. She obviously uh, sparked their uh, last quarter there with a touchdown to bring it up to 14 to six. But overall, we had talked about it. Coach talked about it. You talked about it. I talked about it. It was going to be a pretty, a pretty close matchup, and that's what it ended up to be. Yeah, it did. It sounded like it was an, an epic matchup. Um, uh, you know, a struggle for uh, the entirety of the game. Uh, it sounds like, you know, the Black Cats jumped out early in the first quarter with a couple of um, breakaway touchdowns of 61 and 64 yards uh, by Radka Lebalova. So, you know, two big runs puts her over 100 yards for the game in the first quarter and puts the Black Cats out in front for an early lead, 14 to nothing. And uh, then it became a defensive struggle uh, until the end of the third when you, as you mentioned, uh, Tai Dung Ta um, hit pay dirt on a 52-yard rush. So we're talking about, you know, a lot of defensive struggles and then, like, big plays that really mm-hmm. kind of, you know, broke things uh, open. And um, not to give it away, but in the in the last uh, the last minute of the game, uh, the Harpies made another score to pull to within uh, two points. Uh, but the uh, two point conversion attempt failed, and um, that's how the Black Cats uh, held on to win. It's their second championship ever. They were the very first champions of in the first year of this league. And uh, as we've talked about, Oscar, the Brno Amazons have been champions for like the last four or five seasons. They've um, uh, they've been the dominant team, but now the Black Cats are back on top. And then it's fitting, Mark. Uh, they win, the junior team wins, and the men's team take gold triple uh accumulation as an organization <laughs> so what what a moment that, for that's true. the three the all three programs yeah yeah that's excellence all around from uh top to bottom across all their programs so a really really uh fantastic achievement for the black cats organization um terry this close. This game was supposed to be close as we monitored the, you know, the the numbers. We we dove into the numbers, and you said last week that you know based on the numbers, this was going to be a very close matchup, and ended up that way, uh, except for the mm-hmm. fact that the Harpies could just not convert on two point conversions. Otherwise, this game is different, and they probably win their first championship. But uh, you know, shout out to them for you know staying strong in the last two quarters and trying to make a game of it, and even trying to pull the upset. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. For me, as a football fan, that's best-case scenario. You know what I mean? You have the the final game against two teams, and it looks like on paper it's going to be a really close game, and both teams show up. You know what I mean? The first first half, uh, based on what Mark said, sounds like they they went up 14 nothing, and they had a running back with over 100 yards. And then in the second half, it was a totally different game. Adjustments were made. Shout-out to the coaching staff the other side. And they were able to come back and – 
get within two points, and it came down to a two-point conversion. So you really can't get any closer than that. So for the fans, it's got to be really enjoyable, you know what I mean, as far as um, watching that. I mean, it doesn't get much closer. So that's, that's awesome. So if you miss the game, no big deal, because if you're, like to Mark's point, if you're at the hub, you'd be watching it right now because that's where it's at right now. So shout-out to the Prague yeah. Blackcats for uploading the game. Full live stream of the Rose Bowl Championship from the Czech Republic. So check it out right there at the hub, facebook.com, forward slash on Beauties. All right, Mark, um, can we go to Grand West? And the, uh, the Wolverines get taken down by the Perth Broncos, 30-0. to zero. What a surprising, after, after the Wolverines have been just steamrolling everybody, uh, come back to earth to reality. That's right. We were talking about this matchup last week. Uh, it was a matchup of undefeated teams. Um, the Perth Broncos uh, were 2-0, and uh, as were the West Coast Wolverines. Uh, the Wolverines were on top uh, of the rankings um, based on uh, uh, point differential. But uh, this past week, the Broncos came out and handed, you know, they must have just stunned the Wolverines, handing them a 30-0 to zero loss. And mm-hmm. so uh, Perth jumps up. They're now on the top of the heap in Gridiron West. Um, and um, the Wolverines take their first loss. Uh, there are two undefeated teams now, the Broncos and the Rockingham Vipers, uh, the two combatants in last year's uh, Gridiron West championship game. So um, we have a we have a uh, a matchup to look forward to uh, in the coming weeks between those two teams. Terry, if you, if you're at a high, blowing everybody out, maybe lower competition, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you you come up into this play against Perth, which is the one of the finalist teams from last year. Now mm-hmm. reality should sink in for the Wolverines, right? Especially if you get a shutout loss. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> When Mark was talking about that, when you guys were talking about that result, it, remind, it reminded me of a memory that I have from my coaching career. Uh, when I was coaching my former team, we were undefeated. I think we were 2 or 3-0, and oh, and we were traveling to Utah to play the Utah Falcons. And um, we were undefeated. They were undefeated. And, uh, you know, we were feeling pretty good about ourselves. Well, <laughs> that game didn't uh, go very well. I think our final score was somewhere around 60 to nothing. Utah, the way the game ended was we were on the goal line about to score to not get shut out, and our center fumbled the ball, and Utah recovered it. So it was uh, a learning lesson, a tough, tough learning lesson. And, um, you know, playing those good teams like that, it kind of lets you know where you stand. So, uh, yeah. you know, for the team that lost 30 nothing, you know, it's not the end of the world. They they're, they're better than you, you know, you weren't able to do much on offense, and so it's back to the drawing board. But you just have to use it as a, as a lesson and don't get too down on yourself. Well, it's a good long season for for Gridiron West until February, so they got probably another one or two cracks <laughs> at the Broncos, time. right, to kind of correct themselves. Uh, but, you yeah. know, shout-out to the uh, Perth Broncos for, you know, bringing their game, their A game, and kind of standing out on uh, top of it. Um, the Hills, yeah. uh, Hills uh, Valkyries, Mark, uh, they they pull the win out six to zero against Claremont. Claremont, I've got to give them a shout out to them because they they hung in there. They didn't get blown, you know. They lost, but they didn't lose by you know. Uh, they lose less than a touchdown versus 
their previous outings. So, you know, shout out to both teams for playing defensive ball. Absolutely. And I, I believe this is the first team win in Hills Valkyrie's history um, mm-hmm. as they are a new team. So that's a huge milestone. Congratulations mm-hmm. to the Valkyries. And, um, yeah, 6-0 game. Um, sounds like a defensive struggle. Uh, but, you know, you want competition no matter, um, you know, what level you're at. And um, although the Jets and the Valkyries are both new teams, kind of struggling to, um, you know, to, um, to win games um, mm-hmm. so far this season, you know, they put together a good contest that I'm sure everybody um, can be proud of. So, Hills Valkyries, congratulations on your first win. Claremont Jets are still searching for their first, but um, uh, sounds like it was a, uh, a pretty good game. Terry, if you're if you're into this matchup, defensively on mm-hmm. you know you're either you're lousy on offense on both sides and <laughs> and defensively you're playing a lot better ball. I guess if you're in a six zero yeah. mode, a six zero win, right? You're taking the words out of my mouth, Oscar. So a six zero final score either means that both teams were playing crazy defense or both teams have horrible offenses or a mixture of both of those things. Um, but as a football fan, I know, I know it sounds weird because 6-0 doesn't sound like a very thrilling game to watch, but as a football fan, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy any game that is close, that is closely contested, that comes down to one score at the end. And so I, I eat that stuff up. But you know, not, not everybody's like that. But I, I think any one-score game is enjoyable to watch. My opinion. No, it was a tough battle. Yeah. Uh, you get the highlights right there uh, from the Hills Valkyrie as well. So we got still photos there as well. From um, we should get some more from Perth Broncos or West Coast Wolverines soon here. Uh, but we did get the update there. So look forward to next week in terms of we cover Gridiron West. We'll be covering Gridiron West week to week as we go into the middle of February. From now until February, so we're going to be in Australia all all, all winter long. So don't, don't, don't miss a podcast Tuesday night because we're going to recap all that stuff as well. Um, Mark, Queens uh, just announced right now before we came on air that uh, Rottingham and The Hague, I guess there is a forfeit there. So they're giving uh, Rottingham, which is supposed to be this next coming week, a 20-0 to victory. We talked about how this has been kind of the normal thing for the Queens League all season. Uh, but Amsterdam did pull that win 49-19 against Wolverines. Um, so, I mean, shout out to them. But this coming weekend is only one game. Technically, it's going to be Endo Haven taking on Swole uh, Blue Jays if it if, if it happens because I haven't seen any anything different. Hopefully, it's not going to be like Friday and they they kind of things change. But that's where we're at in terms of uh, the Netherlands. Uh, yeah, and that would be the uh, the final game of the regular season, as far as I know. Um, we talked mm-hmm. last week. We're questioning whether or not some of the some of these earlier games that, that got postponed are going to be played or not, but we don't really know. And as it stands right now, um, so the, the uh, Eindhoven Valkyries and Swole Blue Jays game next week on the 14th uh, might be the last regular season game. And as far as the standing goes, um, right now it's the Rotterdam Ravens and Amsterdam Cats at one and two, presumably the, uh, the two playoff positions. Um, so it's, um, it, it seems like these playoff positions are determined by 
the um, the point differential between their the points scored versus points allowed. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that if that's true, then um, uh, for either the Valkyries or the Blue Jays to get into uh, to overtake the Amsterdam Cats into playoff position, uh, the Valkyries would need to win by a 52 point margin. And the Jays would need to win by a 65-point margin in this next game. Uh, now, anything can happen in <laughs> anything can happen in football. Uh, it seems pretty <laughs> unlikely that either of these right. things are going to happen, but right. it's possible. And it, like, just kind of brings up this point: is like, I'm not sure really the Queens League is 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 um, you know. If they're using, you know, the point differential as their ranking system, as the sole, you know, the determination of, of their ranking system, I'm not sure that's mm-hmm. really the right right approach. Um, yeah, so you're talking I, uh, I Massey ratings? <laughs> you're talking Massey ratings, Mentelli? <laughs> yeah. It's the strength no, of schedule not plus the points allowed, right? Like each, even Massey ratings would make more sense than the way it appears that they're no, doing it. You know what I mean? But, like, you know, um, the Rotterdam you know, Ravens we get are... Into, we get into Massey ratings in, at the end of the year. You know how heated we get into it at, at the end of the year with oh, the WFA, yeah. so... <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I can I can totally see uh, the players and, and, you know, coaches of these teams, um, you know, question whether or not this would be the right approach because, you know... The Rotterdam Ravens are uh, ranked number one because they have, you know, the largest point differential in their favor. But the number two Amsterdam Cats handed the Rotterdam Ravens their only loss of the season, and the Cats yeah. are undefeated. Like, in my, in my eyes, the Cats should be the number mm-hmm. one team. But according to the, uh, the Queens football site, it's their number two. So... I'm not really sure how this is all going to shake out. It's very it's nice interesting to get two forfeit season. wins at 20 points each. I guess that's a, right. if you want to look at it that way. <laughs> yeah. I right, mean, Coach? It's, it's kind of coach, weird. If you're the coach, uh, Terry, you're not saying no to that, right? I'm not ranked number one, yes, based on the league protocols. Yes, we are number one. Well, <laughs> I mean, yes and no. I'm not complaining about it from the coach, but I'm also not in favor of it because it's kind of a, a BS system. So, I'm not sure if that league listens to your podcast or not, um, but if they do, Pretty sure I would they do. strongly, yeah, <laughs> to Mark's point, I would strongly encourage you guys in the off season to, you know, put your brains together and think of a different way to do rankings because the problem with having, you know, point differential as your tiebreaker is, like Mark said, there's a team that needs to win by 52 points, another team that needs to win by 65 points, to uh, you know, make make progress in the rankings. So what you're doing is is that encourages teams to blow out other teams and not show sportsmanship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to really take a serious look at what you're trying to do as a league. And so that's my two cents. And I know you Absolutely. have to break it down that way sometimes because if you get into a tie, you have to go into that yep. route, right? That should be the yep. alternative, right, to the decision, not necessarily the normal, you know, way that you would operate. Uh, but um, unfortunately, um, I did reach out to them. Uh, they did say that they were not going to have any more games, Mark, uh, as you alluded here. Okay. So November 11th will be the final. We'll see who will stand out, whether it will be Rottenham against Amsterdam, which looks like that's going to be the case right now, as it stands right now. 
So uh, that's we're looking forward to the uh, the Netherlands final as well. So you can check out some of the still photos from this weekend's Amsterdam Cats against the Wolverines right there at the hub at uh, facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. All right, um, Mark, uh, Austria final should be coming up here uh, next week. Uh, Vienna should take on Salzburg. Uh, like I said, uh, another shot for the Ducks to see if they can pull the upset of upsets against Vienna. Well, yeah, it, it, it would have to be the upset of upsets because in the uh, the sort of uh, the uh, glorified scrimmage we were talking about um, last mm-hmm. week, uh, the Vikings won 42 to 15. So, you know, I'm not exactly sure what that game looked like if if teams were, um, you know, trying some alternative to strategies, point, doing scrimmages right. and scouting. <laughs> all the, yeah, all, all those things we were talking about last week, um, mm-hmm. but uh, whatever whatever choices these teams made, the Vikings ended up uh, handing the Ducks a pretty pretty decisive loss. So that sets the Vikings up to to really repeat as championships uh, as champions of um, of the Austrian league. If I'm putting my money out there in the mortgage, I'm going with Vienna. Mm-hmm. Pretty confident. Oh, me too. Yeah, me too. All right, Terry, lay down the lay down the big money and put it on Vienna. They haven't lost in like <laughs> I don't know what ten years. <laughs> so, I mean, the well, Ducks would have to come in with high powered and really really stout defense. Um, uh, unless we go with Terry's point, which is the Ducks are playing down for scouting purposes. Uh, man, these ducks better—they better show up and show up good, because otherwise they're going to get whacked again. Well, the problem with playing a team that hasn't lost in ten years is the fact they haven't lost in ten years is, is more than coincidence. So that means they're doing a lot of things the right way, as far as coaching goes, as far as managing, managing their teams goes, as far as talent goes, as far as how they run their offense and defense. Since they're doing all those things in an efficient way. That means not only do you have to play your A game, but you have to coach your ass off, right? Like you have to have a brilliant game plan. All your players have to be playing 10 out of 10. Like you just have to pretty much play lights out and near fall is football, which is easier said than done. And so, that, I mean, it's a, it's a tall task for, the, uh, for that team to knock them off for sure. But, you know, any given Sunday, so we'll see. And that's what it that's what it boils down to. But like I said, I'm putting my money on Vienna. So Vikings, <laughs> if you're sure. listening to me, yeah. I'm putting the money on you. Yeah. I'm going with you. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get the Hershey bar, and I'm going to be happy with the almonds. Yeah. I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah. Until they lose, you have no reason to change that opinion for sure. No, I no my my Hershey bar is going to be really tasteful. It's going to be really great. Okay. <laughs> Understood. Understood. All right, um, uh, Mark. Let's go to Mexico. We'll finish up in Mexico because there's a lot of stuff happening in Mexico, and everything is happening in Mexico right now, technically. Um, uh, Liga Elite Indeed. in Monterey, some really good matchups there. Uh, Raiders, 19-18 to versus the Rockers. I saw that whole live stream of courtesy of FIBA Sports. Thank you, FIBA Sports, for uh, doing the live streams weekly for the Liga Elite Monterey, week four. Uh, really, really awesome game. The other game was uh, Lobos, 18-14 against the Wolfpack. And then it was uh, Toriana's 33-0 against Leonas and Authentica's uh, 18-0 loss against Cum- uh, Cumeras. But the, the uh, Raiders game was really hard-nosed, hard-fought, 
very t- tough defensive. Uh, the offenses uh, weren't able to get in much, much anything done. But defensively, man, they, they played really good. So you get to watch it right there uh, at the hub as well. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. A, you know, one-point game uh, sounds like a really, uh, really hard-fought battle. Um, and just another reason to go to the hub, right? Uh, got a couple great games um, for the watching. And yeah, Wolfpack's 18 to 14 victory right there as well with the Lobos. So um, Liga Elite Monterey, pretty awesome league. Um, it is a uh, arena style league, eight on eight as well. So it's pretty awesome. We're keeping tabs on that. Week five coming up here. We'll get you still photos plus highlights. And like I said, shout out to uh, FIBA Sports for doing that as well. Um, Mark Lafay is done. Division one is set. The semifinals are here uh, this weekend. Uh, a grudge match. Satanis uh, barely survived Maya, eight to seven. So Terry, uh, eight to seven victory. Uh, wow, going into the going to the semifinals, uh, you got to really, uh, you know, if you're the Tatanis, it's like okay, look your, you got to look at yourself one more time and go, are, are they that good or we just played down bad? Yeah, I mean, eight to seven is tough to swallow, right? Because I assume that. One, they both scored one touch, touchdown and one team went for two, another one didn't, right? Yes. Is that a fair, fair assumption? Yeah. So, I mean, the game couldn't have been any closer. It's a one-point game. Neither of you did great on offense. So, I mean, it, that's a tough one to swallow, you know what I mean, because you're thinking in the offseason, you know, if we, do, if we do something a little bit better, we win that game. And so it's just – it's rough. But, I mean, it's a game of inches, so – you just have to Mark, uh, honest, at this point, they're going to go into this uh, semifinal versus Mexicas. Mexicas get a uh, edge. The Raiders, fourteen to six, also in a tough defensive battle. Offensively, they didn't play as well. So, uh, to coach's point here, uh, two teams that somehow struggled in the last week of the season, now they're facing up, uh, facing each other here. Uh, you know, to uh, for the berth to the final. Right, and uh, you know. Uh, Still, we're talking about a, a one-form matchup, um, and you know the Titanis. They, they, although they only scored, you know, had one score this past week. You know, they are used to scoring at least two or three touchdowns uh, in their in their previous games, um, and the Mexicas have kind of struggled to uh, score all season long. Um, so I, I definitely give the edge to the, the Titanis. I'm not worried about, um, you know, their inability to score in this in the semifinal matchup. So I'm definitely taking Titanus. Awesome. Um, Coach, Pumitas, they, they uh, shout out to, uh, the Lobos, 22-0. to zero. They will be facing the team that lost by one point, the Maya Sewell. So if you're Maya Sewell, you lost by one point, here's an opportunity to go to the final and probably clash with Titanis one more time and you get maybe a second shot, you know what I mean, for all the marbles. That's a hell of a storyline. So it is. They won, yeah, they won 22 nothing. You lost your game 8-7. to seven. Now you have a chance to play them to get a shot at the people, the team you just lost 8-7. to seven. So if that's not enough motivation for you <laughs> to, uh, you know, rise to the moment, I don't know what is. So that would be interesting to see how they, how they react. Well, I think it's going to be interesting. Pumita. Pumita's really are we're playing good. Like I said, the Maya Sewell, uh, um, Mark, Maya Sewell has been playing good almost all season, but 
you know, th- that's got to hurt the one point loss. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're going to be motivated to win this one. Uh, another part of the storyline that makes this interesting is that in the the uh, previous matchup between the Pumitas and the Mayas Azul was actually forfeited by the Pumitas. So the, the game never got played. So we don't mm-hmm. really know which of these two teams is better because they haven't faced each other on the field. So, um, you know, it's, you know, I guess I, we could say upset alert, right? Um, there's definitely a possibility that uh, the Punias could pull this out. Um, but um, certainly both teams um, are have their motivations in this matchup. Coach, if you're in this realm right now, uh, Mexico's mm-hmm. really have an opportunity for an upset because Titanes have played so well all season, and they, you know, they pull one out at the end. But for Mexico's here, nothing to lose technically, and if you could have a great outing here, if you hold it defensively, maybe you you get the you know you get to to win basically against the top team all season. Yep, there's no nothing like you said, nothing to lose, nothing, no 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 reason to hold back. So. Throw your best game plan at them, and um, there's no, you know, just play, play your heart out as far as the game plan and how you execute, how you hit, how you, you know, everything. Just there's there's no reason to not ball out against a team like that. So hopefully they do. All and right, to Mark's um, point, Mark, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry, Oscar. To Mark's point, um, like he said, that those teams have never played each other, so it's hard to say who's better. I was thinking about this, you know, because we've had so many upsets in the NFL this year. Um, and I was thinking about how football is a lot like boxing. And they say that in boxing it's all about matchups, um, like, you, you know, the um, like styles make fights, they say. So, like, just, just because a team matches up with another team really well, that can literally be the difference in the game. So, like, how the Jaguars were able to terrorize Josh Allen all game, mm-hmm. pull out a win, mm-hmm. you know, how – Sorry, Oscar, but how the Titans were able to, you know, terrorize Matt Stafford and stuff. It's all about, you know, these matchups. And so because of that, you know, you, you, don't, know, you don't know how it's actually going to go until you watch the game. So as a football fan, I love that, you know what I mean, because it just gives you an element of surprise. Because even if one, yeah. pa- one team looks way better on paper, it doesn't necessarily mean how, how the game's going to go. And, uh, Mark, Division Two. Uh, Mayas Blanco will be taking on uh, Dragones. Dragones, um, you know, they get routed 28-0 to zero against Maya Blancos. And here's an opportunity to get another spanking, I guess. If you're Maya Blanco, you pretty much haven't seen any resistance. So this is probably going to be an easy win for you if that's the case in the semis. Halcones against Panteras, another rematch here, 26-6. to six, Opportunity for the Panteras to either step up or they're going to get spanked. And it looks like it's going to be Halcones and, and Maya Blanco for the final. Yeah, I I feel like that's pretty much how that's going to go. I think we're going to see Halcones um, uh, and Maya Blanco in the final. Uh, they've just been the two best performing teams in the division in the in the number two division, um, and uh, you know Maya Blanco still hasn't even given up any points yet um, against the competition. So I certainly expect them to be in the final. And I agree with that. I think it's just going to be one of those. Halconis will take it on uh, uh, Mayas Blanco. Um, so we're going to just, you know, break it down. 
So, todos en México, gracias por este, estar atentos con, la, con nuestra podcast. Estamos eh, quebrando todo eh, que es la PAI, esperando un gran semifinales en la División 1 y División 2 con Titanes contra Mexicas, Mayas Azul contra Pumitas, uh, Mayas Blancos contra Dragones Rojos y Halcones con Panteras a ir a la, a la página de Facebook, uh, Facecom Great Iron Beauties para todos los detalles en la LAFAI, en, en los finales del 2021, uh, también en los finales de, este, de la Liga Elita Monterrey, y aparte de eso, todos los resultados de FX México. So, gracias por estar atentos a nuestra podcast cada semana. All right, so shout out to the, uh, everybody in Mexico. Uh, just got reached out to this past week, and they wanted me to make sure that, uh, you know, we kind of do a bilingual shout out so that everybody that's listening to us when they listen to us, they understand that obviously we are, we are very excited to cover them and, and uh, week to week, ex, you know, the excitement of what's happening in Mexico. So um, thanks uh, to you, Mark, as well, and myself and everybody else. And thanks to everybody in Mexico that uh, uploads photos, shares them. Uh, so we will have, uh, I think, Lexfa week four updates. Uh, we didn't get them up here. I don't think they uploaded any of that. But as soon as the Lexfa uh, uploads are, are done, we will go ahead and display them at, at the hub. So, este, uh, 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 lo más pronto posible, cuando se tenga todo el expa, los finales, resultados y fotos, y también todo, vamos a estar puestos allá en la página de Facebook. So, va a la página de Facebook, facebook.com, forward slash Gridiron Beauties, uh, para los detalles. All right. All right, Mark, I think that's pretty much it. Um, uh, we'll get FX Mexico, uh, uh, Norte and FX Mexico, uh, information up as we get it up there from them because it takes a little while for them to get some still photos and we have to kind of research uh facebook to get our network people to see if there, anybody was there to uh you know get us some photos or some video or live stream but other than that the uh, fx mexico results will will plug them in there at the hub fantastic i think we should mention that uh in lefai durango we have the championship match set up uh, the Lobas, uh, Grises Laguna versus Vaqueras. That's correct. I totally missed it in my notes right here. You are correct. Uh, uh, Lefay Durango, yes. Um, that should happen, I think, this weekend, right? Saturday? I believe so. I believe, um, I believe it's this weekend. Uh, Laguna won a previous uh, game, a matchup, 34-6. Uh, to 6. So Laguna's definitely the favorite. They're undefeated on the season, 4-0. Uh, Vercaris uh, made it to the final by upsetting the Rams 35-14. Uh, to 14. So congratulations to them. And we're looking forward to uh, this final matchup in Lafay Durango. And there's so much stuff going on in Mexico that sometimes I got to, like, break it down by almost, uh, you know, different sections. There's, like, almost, uh, what, four? We got FX Mexico with Lafay. We got Lexfa. We got... Uh, the different uh, divisions in LaFi plus the different divisions in FX Mexico plus Lexfa also has different divisions in terms of the region. So all these three organizations are huge. I mean, if, if we thought the WFA and, w, uh, WFA and WNFC were something to cover, uh, try to cover all that stuff in Mexico. But shout out to Tercer Cuarto as well. It helps us out. Yarda 20 um, um, and it's Blitz Football video as well. And then also the other contributors. So thanks to them. For us, uh, for uploading and stuff like that. 
Yes, thank you very much for all the information that you can give us so that we can report on it. Uh, it's sometimes hard to get it all in there um, uh, in the span of a half an hour. But um, it's been great. There's more football coming, more championships. And i um, looking forward to being back next week. All right, Mark, appreciate it. Um, have a great night. Uh, catch you here next week. And uh, we should have some of the uh, results for some of the semifinals as well. It's going to be pretty interesting to see what's going to happen in Lafay. Kind of looking forward to Great Iron West as we get into another week deep in there and see what's going to happen. And then the Queensland, you know, uh, perspective in terms of the picture there, what's going to happen there for the final as well. So it's going to be a pretty interesting week next week. Definitely. We'll see you. Bye, Terry. Always a pleasure, Mark. All right. Uh, so, Terry, there you go, the Oracle of Women's Tackle Football, the back <laughs> coach. He has, spoken. Mark he has spoken. That's right. That's right. right. And you made, a, so, you made a mistake. Right you missed something, Oscar. He's my, uh, he's my twin. We, we got yeah. it all together. Between me and him, we kind of <laughs> try to cover everything in a, a nutshell for Tuesdays. Yeah. It's really hard to do because we're trying to, like, patch up information from everybody. And, um, you know, if you're – you know how Excel worksheets work? <laughs> trying to work yeah. an Excel worksheet and try to break it down yeah. and things like that. So. No, it's, fun- it's, it's funny that he pointed out something that you missed. And um, I was going to tease you, like, how dare you miss something. Um, but, you know, you're covering <laughs> <laughs> worldwide football, so I think, I think we can give you a break on that. I'm not as good as AFI review, but uh, I, I try to be <laughs> – and we try to be as good as that, right, Aaron? Like they, they got it, they got it down on that show. But uh, no, we, we, you know, we appreciate everybody that uh, supports us and gives us uh, information and feeds us uh, information as well. So try to, you know, try Absolutely. to like stay up to date on everything that's happening in the sport is uh, something that we pride ourselves in. And, you know, we've done it since 2009. It's gotten a lot easier mm-hmm. now than it was in 2009 because before we were, you know, we had no relationships built. Now it's it's mm-hmm. just so much easier because you know they they'll feed us information and things like that. So. Um, before yeah. we leave the women's game, uh, check out the new podcast on Moho Sports, uh, right? And our, our uh, Gridiron, uh, uh, basically Gridiron Australia national team members, uh, Stacey Spears from the New South Wales region, uh, our own Christy Moran, Noja football athlete and champion, multi-time champion from Queensland, plus Bliss Love from Victoria. They're going to be on the Moho uh, Moho Network. And you get the uh, link right there on IG, and they're going to be – it's uh, Women in Gridiron Show. Check out all the cool stuff on Moho Sports. And uh, shout-out to uh, Christy uh, and uh, Stacy as well as Bliss. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to have a great time, and we'll, uh, we'll be tuning in as well to check it out. And don't forget, you guys can also tune in to uh, Cleat Sheets. Uh, you go right there on IG, Cleat Sheets, uh, and you can check out uh, Moose Raylander from the Minnesota Vixen plus Aaron uh, Truitt uh, from the Boston Renegades, and they got their uh, podcast biweekly usually comes on, so we usually upload it there at the Hub as well. So women's soccer football, besides us covering everything in the world, uh, you, you have other podcasts that are going to break <laughs> it down from different sections of the world, especially with yeah. the Moho Network over uh, breaking it down in Australia, plus uh, you know um, Moose and Aaron talking WFA. So there's your fix, right, Terry? And including yourself sometimes on TL Podcasts, talking um, WFA and WNFC as well. Yes, sir. Yeah. You do a great job. I haven't said this to you before, Oscar, but as far as having a comprehensive coverage of women's football, um, as you alluded to, I 
pride myself in staying fairly educated about American women's football. Um, and I have my hands full with those two leagues. Um, but for you to embark upon covering worldwide football um, for women's football is, is impressive. And so I think I speak for a lot of people listening um, by saying that you do a great job and a lot of people appreciate it. No, I, I appreciate it. And I get a lot of feedback and everybody enjoys it. And that's what keeps us, you know, with the drive, right? Cause it's like, it's, yeah. it's a passion. We really want to cover it and spotlight all these amazing women that play the sport. And it's exclusively uh, a hotbed because mm. when you talk, when you talk about like uh, before, you know, there was not enough content, Terry. When I first started, there was no content, right? There's no way you, we can talk WFA and WFC year-round. Not going to happen. Yeah. You talk it yeah. exclusively for eight, for 10 weeks, right? But there yeah. was just no way. But then once we started going internationally and we started diving and doing networking and, and, and making relationships out there and then starting to realize, okay, like we said before, right, uh, there's seven-on-seven seven leagues, there's eight-on-eight, there's nine-on-nines, there's some 11s, right? So it's like yeah. there is content there. And so us being a media news uh, platform, I mean, we, we just need to dive into that. And so that's what keeps us, you know, in, in terms of the no. Uh, and we always wanted to be sort of an ESPN Fox News type ad- attitude and avenue to go to. And I think, uh, you know, I, like, I, I speak for everybody that has supported me and then everybody that's come on board with me here on the podcast and everybody that's behind the backgrounds that has networked with us. I mean, we got to give every uh, shout out, you know what I mean? Not just myself, but everybody around us that uh, have a passion and a love for this sport and also want to spotlight all these amazing women that play the sport, which is a, which is a passion, you know, and it's, it's a love. Just like anybody loves yeah. college football or the NFL, I mean, we try to incorporate that every Tuesday here as a, uh, as a love, just like no different than somebody would love college football or in the NFL. And we try to cover it yeah. in that way. Yeah, for sure. It's not a one-man show. Like you said, you have a, a team of people that have helped you um, with the operation throughout the years. And so definitely a huge shout-out to them too. Um, but if, you know, if your podcast is anything like my podcast, you're kind of the, 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 main, <laughs> the main piece that doesn't change. You know, so if you have different people coming in and out of the podcast as co-hosts and stuff, if you're the, the, the voice that's remained the whole time, um, you know, you're kind of the driving force of it. And so I know you're being modest, but there's a lot of work that goes into it. So you do a great job. Appreciate it, Terry. I really appreciate it coming yeah. from you and everybody else. So I really appreciate everybody's, uh, you know, uh, being grateful and attitude and, and also giving us, you know, giving us uh, the, the attaboys, right? Because sometimes we got to give ourselves some attaboys. But when it comes from, uh, <laughs> you know, the audience, when it comes from the audience, yeah. it's a, a lot more rewarding, right, in a lot of ways because people really appreciate what yeah. you do. And so that's that's Absolutely. the bottom line right there, you know. When when you get feedback from other people and they enjoy your content or they enjoy your um, perspective in some ways, like especially mm-hmm. when you have that, so it really helps out. Um, well, what do we, what do we do? We got to go in the NFL for the last thirty minutes, and then we're going to be yes. probably Mackenzie will be diving in here. Uh, Mackenzie, just like my Rams, just didn't go very good week. Um, carries Browns, obviously great week. Uh, Holly's Niners, not so great. Uh, so uh, I think the only person that was uh, uh, excluded here was probably uh, Nate, right? Because uh, Seahawks didn't play, so he was okay. But the rest of us were kind of like surprised that we were getting beaten down. I, I was shocked that my Rams played that poorly, uh, Terry. But then ultimately when I saw the I – was, I was reviewing the video, 
on game pass, man, it's just, they were just getting outpowered at the offensive line. And there you go. Five sacks for St- uh, five sacks on Stafford. So you deserve to lose that way, I guess. Yeah. Line of scrimmage is huge. And to your point, um, Nate's team was on a bye. So the good thing about a bye is you can't lose. So he was already mad about college, so I guess he's going to tone down. We're just kidding, Nate. And we Russ, love you, buddy. We love you. Yeah, Russ is going to be back this week, so that's good for him. Yeah. yeah we, or, or Gino, <laughs> depending on how the week yeah. goes. You know how yeah. the NFL goes. <laughs> Game yeah. time decision is the, the ultimate, just like the NBA. I hate the NBA. It's like you're trying to, you're trying to project your lineup. Uh, on the betting sites, and then that you know it's game time decision for Anthony Davis, and you're like, seriously, come on, <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah, so crazy. Um, so uh, Terry, let's 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 go into uh, Holly's rant about uh, Aaron Rodgers first. We'll talk that out, and then we'll go into Week oh, Ten boy. recap, and then we'll dive into Week Eleven. So let's let's hear what Holly had to say about Mr. Rodgers. All right. I also wanted to give my thoughts on the Aaron Rodgers situation. I've made no secret on my stance on vaccines and how they are needed. But no, the problem is not that Rodgers is unvaccinated. The problem is that he lied and that he cheated. He lied to the press and said he was immunized, knowing full well that people would think that meant he got the vaccine. Then he talked about the unvaccinated players and how it's their choice, in a way, to separate himself from that group. He knew exactly what to say to manipulate the press. It's bad enough that he lied, but then he cheated. In the NFL, there are two sets of protocols, one for the vaccinated players and one for the unvaccinated players. This is a fair and valid system. It ensures that the unvaccinated players have to test more often, wear masks on the sidelines, and only attend media requests via Zoom meetings. What has Rogers done the entire season? Acted like a vaccinated player. No masks, in-person media events, Halloween parties without any any precautions. This is why he lied. So he wouldn't get questioned by the media when they noticed he wasn't wearing a mask and and was unvaccinated. Then he gets COVID. And let me be clear, vaccinated or not, I don't want anyone to get it. But now that he has it, there are protocols for that as well. If he was vaccinated, he would only need to be out for a few days. But as an unvaccinated player, he has to be out 10 to 13 days, depending on how his tests go. That is the only reason he got caught. The media figured out that two and two weren't adding up to four. Then he goes on the one major sports show that he knew would be sympathetic to him, and he rants for 45 minutes without anyone checking him and sounds off like a bingo card of anti-vax rhetoric, but then claims he's on anti-vax. He tries to use quote-unquote big word to sound smart, but every argument had no actual fact or logic. By the way, they were not actually big words at all to me, but I recognize the attempt to patronize. Essentially, it was 45 minutes of gaslighting the country and never once taking accountability that he lied and cheated. He said that it's the media's fault for not asking follow-up questions. He said mask rules were stupid, so he, Aaron Rodgers, would not follow them. Imagine if you went into your workplace and completely disregarded safety protocols because you thought they were dumb. Imagine a construction worker saying, hard hats are dumb, I will not wear it. Imagine Rogers saying, I will play football with no helmet. There are certain protocols and measures that you have to follow if you want to work certain places. If you don't want to follow them, then you find other work. 
At the end of the day, Rogers has lost the remaining thread of respect I had for him with this incident. I think he only cares about himself and is obsessed with the attention. Simply put, he is a complete narcissist. Tom Brady may or may not have deflated footballs, but to me, this is much worse. No one has the potential to die from a deflated ball. One final note. Watching high-profile people handle these situations so poorly has taught me something. If you're wrong, fall on the sword. Just fall on it. Right away. Americans will forgive you if you are honest. Keep lying and deflecting, and they will not. And for the love of everything, stop quoting Martin Luther King Jr. You are not oppressed because someone asked you to wear a mask. Just stop. I shouldn't have to say this. It only makes you look completely out of touch with reality and self-absorbed. All right. Uh, so, Terry, there you go. Um, apparently, uh, Aaron Rodgers lied about him having actually taken the, vac- the vaccine. Vaccine. So uh, I don't think Mackenzie's surprised that she hates a cheesehead, so he's a cheesehead. So there you go, <laughs> I guess. Uh, let's break it down that way. You know, I'm really not surprised that uh, a Ron, Mr. Discount, double-check himself, um, fibbed about this COVID vaccination, you know, immunization thing. Um, and, you know, not that I ever like to giggle because somebody's sick or gets injured or anything. However, I just would, I would just like to point out, even though my Dallas Cowboys lost, it made it so much better because Green Bay lost, too. So... That was just the idea. I knew you would get a positive out of it. Just kind of figure out you were going to come (laughs) You know, I really am just elated at this point because cheese balls have nothing to say. Um, And it's great. (laughs) And I I love it. Um, Back on topic, though, uh, yeah, I got to agree with Holly. Like, you know, if you're wrong, just admit it. Like, you're going to get the forgiveness and a second chance if you admit that you're, you know, admit your wrongdoings and at least make an attempt to, you know, have some kind of remorse. Jerry, does it hurt the team at this point? And let's go into that mode because it's the middle of the season. If he was doing it like maybe in a pre-playoff mode and we figured this out like week 17 and he's going to be out for the playoffs, I think, uh, man, mm-hmm. I think he, uh, people would be a little bit more protect about it than they are now. Yeah, I mean – the reality of humans is they usually care most about things that are affecting them directly. So do the Packers feel like losing to the chiefs in the middle of the season, regular season game is going to ruin their season? No. Do they feel like playing a playoff game with Jordan love is not good? (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty sure they do. It kind of does depend on timing. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. There's, I'm just saying, Aaron, 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 just closing this now, or somebody coming up with this now, not as bad as yeah. if, he, if he was, you know, he'd probably be crucified in, if it was week 17, <laughs> even worse. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. It makes you wonder. Um, I think Holly is correct that Aaron Rodgers is a narcissist. Um, I think, yep. uh, you know, that's not that's not really a secret as far as what he thinks of himself. Um, I think he's always thought pretty highly of himself. And so it doesn't really surprise me. This whole thing doesn't surprise me as far as how it's played out. Um, but what, what I am interested in is how it's going to like, how it's going to work itself out. Right. Cause if he's not a vaccinated player, 
and he got COVID, but then he lied about being vaccinated. Like, where do you go from there? You know what I'm saying? Like, cause it sounds like he's, he's kind of anti-vax. And so if he's not interested in getting vaccinated and then, you know what I'm saying? He gets cleared to play this week or next week. How does that, how does that play out for the rest of the season? And are there any actual penalties for that player or that team for that, that player being dishonest? I'm not really sure. This is kind of like a I think it's situation. going to be with an, or, an organization status because I don't yeah. think the NFL can do much of anything because to the NFL it won't yeah. matter because if, he, if, if the protocol is this and he doesn't, he doesn't get the suit up, that's literally the Green yeah. Bay Packers call. It's not really the NFL wow. call, right? Because you're supposed to keep gotcha. it in-house and you make your own decision yeah. there, right, whether you start him or not. And so yeah. it's literally more like Holly's point. Because of the fact that he didn't come up front being up front, it could hinder the, mm-hmm. the Packers, you know, playoff hopes. Also, could it be a factor at the end of the season because if it continues to be a problem, to your point, week to week, right, within the protocol mm-hmm. status and everything else they've got to follow, and he doesn't follow it for whatever reason because he's narcissistic, to your point, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, the fan base might disown him completely. And, and guess what? You know, how did Brett Favre get his shot? Maybe Gordon Love gets his shot this way in, in an uncircumstances situation. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, the funny thing about American sports, specifically football, is if you are a really good player, like Hall of Fame level, and um, especially the quarterback position is obviously glorified, if you're that, which Aaron Rodgers is, you know, Aaron Rodgers is probably a Hall of Famer. He has one of the best quarterbacks in the league, even though McKenzie doesn't like him. And so since he is that, um, he is <laughs> he, he, he's going to be able he's going to be able to like kind of weather a lot of storms, right? So if he had like that sure. preseason BS where he's saying he wants to be traded, he's not going to resign, yada, 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 all that drama in training camp, he, he, he easily survived that just by showing up at the end. All he had to do is show sure. up, say he's going to play, and, it, and it, it, it was like swept under the rug. So now the question is, is this the same thing? Is this swept under the rug as well? Um, if, yeah. you, if you're asking somebody like Holly, definitely not because she's very passionate about how it went down and that it has to do with vaccina- vaccination. Um, but time will tell. You know, I'm not sure how it's going to play out because, it, like I said, I, there's, nothing, there's nothing that I've seen like this so far with COVID where a player, like, intentionally was dishonest about it and didn't follow protocols. So I'm not sure how the Packers are going to handle it. So I'll be interested to see. Yeah. Let's uh, get Holly's take on week nine, and then we'll kind of review week nine right now. Hold on. Here are the most interesting results in the NFL for the week. Browns 41, Bengals 16. Boy, did the Browns need this one. Getting Nick Chubb going seemed to help a lot. Chubb ended the game with 137 rushing yards of 14 carries and two touchdowns. The Browns' defense got out for Joe Burrow and forced two picks and five sacks. The Browns got the must-win. Broncos 30, Cowboys 16. Someone didn't tell the Cowboys to get off the bus, apparently. Prescott seemed a little rusty, especially early. Uh, Javante Williams ran all over the Cowboys' defense. Is this simply a bad game or a cause for concern for Dallas? Jaguars 9, Bills 6. An old-school score and a weird result. Josh Allen threw for two picks, and the Bills couldn't get in the end zone. The Jazz couldn't either, but had one more field goal to win. Is this red zone issue going to be an issue for the Bills later on? We'll find out. Chargers 27, Eagles 24. The Chargers bounced back in this game that pitted Herbert against Jalen Hurts. 
Herbert threw for 356 yards and, and two touchdowns and looked way more comfortable than the last two weeks. The Chargers' offensive line played much better. Jalen Hurts was still exciting on his end, throwing for 162 yards and running for another 71. This game was back and forth at the end, with the new version Chargers learning how to close out games this year. Cardinals 31, 49ers 17. I may go on a little rant here. The 49ers have problems. The Cardinals were out Kyler Murray, A.J. Green, and DeAndre Hopkins, and still put up 31 points and ran all over the Niners. There are four main problem areas. Number one, offensive line is not cohesive and has a clear weakness on the right side. Number two, defensive line has not been the same since they traded away Buckner. Number three, the secondary is a mass unit of rookies and veterans that no one else wanted on their last legs. Number four, the quarterback situation is stressful and not helping anyone. At this point in the season, it's evident to me that the Cardinals are the most complete team in the NFL and the Niners are far away from them. The Niners cannot win the division. They could maybe ugly win their way into the seventh seed, but that's starting to fade away, fade away as well. You might as well start Trey Lance now. His main flaw is his lack of experience, but how does he get that without experience? You mortgage the future for him, and there are no first-round picks for the next two years. You have to know what you have in him so you know how to move forward in the offseason. Get him reps now so he gets the learning bumps and bruises out of the way during a lost season. It will pay off for next year. Uh, Mackenzie, let's start there. Uh, do you feel like, to her, uh, the Niners losing to uh, um, Arizona with the backup quarterback? Just a, It's just an issue, or... I mean, is this? Are we talking about the coach now? He's going with Jimmy G. The defense is not playing well. Um, they get they get beat by basically a second second class unit. They had no Hopkins, no AJ Green. Man, I mean, if you're the if you're a Niner fan base, I, I mean, to her point, you're you're totally frustrated right now. So here's what I'm gonna say. I mean, and and she has a, a perfectly good point. Like her, all her points are valid. Okay, you know, you're you're. At this point, you're a subpar 49ers team. You know, you just get George Kittle back, but you're still having problems with your defense and your quarterback situation. Like, at this point, I personally don't think they're going to make it into the wild card or in a playoff spot. So why not see what Trey Lance can do with a full start, you know, with a full starting slate? Like, put him as a starter. And it's not like, it's not like you can't pull him out and put Jimmy G in there. It's not like the veteranship for Jimmy G isn't there, but they're just not producing really anything at this point except fantasy points. Like they're not producing the high-powered offense that we're used to seeing. They're not producing the high-powered defense we're used to seeing. There's no pass rush. There's no man covers. There's no mix zone covers. There's no nickel formation. Like there's not, there's not really anything that's keeping our eyes peeled on like, oh, hey, we need to be looking out for the 49ers. You know, they're a sleeper team type of and that's just not what's happening right now. And on the flip side, I, I, I don't really – I mean, and I'm going to be biased for a second. Um, regardless of Dallas loss, I'm not going to say that the Cardinals are the most complete team in the NFL. I mean, because they, they, they have a loss. Dallas has two. Tampa Bay has two or three. Like, those are probably the top three teams completely in the NFL right now that have losses. Um but as far as the 49ers are concerned, 
there's I, at this point, I think you kind of have to see what you, what what your future is going to hold. You know, that's not solidifying like Jimmy G is going to be gone or they're going to get rid of him or anything. But you kind of have to at this point right now in the middle of the season, you kind of have to see what you know what your draft pick is going to do for you now. True. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Uh, to her point, she's just saying, hey, at this point, at what point do you the next two weeks? So, uh, Terry, if you lose to the Rams Monday night. Mm-hmm in a bad way or almost similar to the Cardinals. I mean, as a coach, do you say, okay, well now I got to just, okay, salvage the season by just putting in the rookie or, I mean, do you got bigger problems? I think they got bigger problems almost in every facet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you can stick a fork in the Niners. No offense to Holly. Um, They have a lot of issues, which she alluded to in her, her recap. And so it's not just the quarterback, but, she makes a great point. You know, you, you kind of leverage your whole future for this quarterback, and so it, it makes common sense to put him in and see what you have um, so you know what to do with your quarterback position in the offseason. So, I mean, I think, you know, Trey Lance, is he's more mobile, right? So, they're, so who's better, Jimmy G or Trey Lance? It's debatable. Jimmy G has more, you know, mm-hmm. more experience. Trey Lance is more mobile. Um, but since your season isn't going very well and you look like you have a lot of deficiencies all over your team, if there's anybody that's going to make, make something happen, it's going to be a, a quarterback like Trey Lance or Justin Fields who can make plays in more than one way. So hopefully they do that. that that's, that's what I would do as a coach. Um, but I know – Kyle's seat's getting hot, so we'll see what happens. But I definitely actually put money on the Rams to blow out them. <laughs> and so I feel pretty confident about that. It's crazy. This yeah, no, I'm, I'm on the Rams bandwagon for Monday night, but I really think the question sure. marks are right there with the fan base in Santa Clara. Now they're really questioning a lot of things, you know what I mean, into the season. Yeah. And they're really thinking about, mm-hmm. you know, draft picks in the next couple. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people diving into all the logistics that's going to happen within the next couple seasons and figuring out whether, you know, how's that going to be uh, remedied um yeah mckenzie exactly. you me and uh, coach uh i don't know but taunting you're gonna get a call flag for taunting man I, if you're chicago oh, i felt horrible for them god. all freaking game i'm like seriously kid? oh my god unreal bro wh- okay oh you had to go here damn okay look look i'm gonna break this down for you um that was some petty BS. Okay. That was the bull. Uh, it was a bunch of donkey crap. Like, first yeah. of all, how are you going to throw a flag because a player is running off of the damn field? Okay. Don't be staring like, at me, Mackenzie, because I'm going to throw a flag. Don't be staring at me across. Don't look, stare at me. I'm, I'm going to breathe. Hev- I'm going to breathe heavily on you so I get a flag. Like, yeah. honestly, that play, that that call was so damn. Controversial and it, it literally like it, it literally changed the momentum of the game because Chicago literally tied up the game and had it in hand. Had that game in hand, momentum was literally on their side, and ref going to sit there and call a flag for the player running past him. And you, my wife, like, I mean, they even literally got my a wife a bear shot. fan. She threw out some experts that nobody wants to hear, but she did throw it out. <laughs> I mean, I'm right there with you. I ain't even a freaking Bears fan. I'm sitting here like, is this a thing? Like, you going to get a flag for running off of the field? And, and, and see, this is what I'm going to say. If I'm the ref, I'm moving my big old self out the way. 
So like what you know, what I don't understand is is okay, so you we see, you know, refs get bumped into and you know, ran into, you know, a good majority of the time it. during a game. Yeah. Right. And, and like and like how are you gonna lean into it? Like that was set like literally that call that call cost the Chicago the game. Because they like it just they had the momentum, they had the ball, good field position, and then one of one of their special teams players gonna run off the field and Mr Mr. Mann with the with the cap and the whistle, who think he got who, who was power hungry over here, gonna throw this damn yellow flag in my face because I'm running off the field. See, you should get fined for wanting to throw the game. That's what the hell that was. I don't got the time. I mean, I got the time, but I don't got it for him. No, I agree with you. That was a horrible call. Horrible call. That was just like nothing to say about it, but it's just a horrible call. I mean, if you're Coach mm-hmm. Terry Lister, you'd probably be yelling right now. You're at the at the sideline. You're probably uh, throwing out some real bad words at that ref. You know what I mean? Well, I wasn't. So I was in my living room. Like, dude, you have to understand <laughs> what you guys just watched. What you guys just watched on Monday Night Football. So you saw how the Steelers won that game, right? Oh yeah. Very controversial. Had some lucky breaks. Had some official calls go their way. Had some BS. Like all that added up to them winning a very close game. So now, do me a favor, extrapolate that for 20 years, two times per year. That's my life as a Browns fan. So, so you don't have any that. love for this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, it, like, talk about bo- like blood boiling, like mate level. Like, this yeah. boils my blood. The fact that the Steelers get away with this crap over and over and over. Talk about preferential treatment to certain teams like in NCAA. But also, not only do they get all the breaks, but these officials don't get held accountable. So that official literally had a huge impact on who won that game, and I guarantee oh, yeah. you he's yeah. not, he's not going to lose his job, and he probably won't even get fined. Nobody can, there's, they're not being held to a standard, and that irks me, dude. Yeah, like, there's, no, like, there's no review for them yeah, there's no, you know, to retract, there's no, like, which, which is really a pissed-off mode for everybody else. Yeah. It's the NFL. You're a billion-dollar organization, and yep. the refer- the referees are humans that make mistakes, but they're not held to a standard. That makes no sense to me. You know I mean, like I know for a fact, just, if you're feels right there, you had to feel horrible. You know what I mean? You bring your ting back and all this stuff, and this is this is what you get a penalty for. You know what I mean? It's just it was just yeah. bad. Um, let's go into week ten. Preview that with Holly here, and then we'll talk about it before we get out of here. We got about uh, ten minutes. Here are my top matchups to watch for in the NFL for the coming weekend. Saints at Titans. These are the teams with the lost stars, and they face off this weekend. The Titans seem to move along just fine without Derrick Henry last week, but a lot of that was their defense. Can they do it again against the Saints, who are playing a backup quarterback? Browns at Patriots. The Patriots have quietly turned their season around, and the Browns got a much-needed win last week. Both teams really need this to push for a playoff spot. Seahawks at Packers. Will we see Russell Wilson against Aaron Rodgers, or will we see Geno Smith against Jordan Love? There will be a lot of intrigue on this game. The Seahawks have to get this if they want a shot at riding the ship. Chiefs at Raiders. Both of these teams have had a rough and dramatic year, and both of these teams are desperate to get momentum. Cars had an excellent year, but without the deep threat of runs, it will be up to Waller to really be the go-to guy. The Chiefs escaped against a not-great Jordan Love last week, but the Raiders should be able to put up points. 
Will the Chiefs be able to hold on to the ball? That's the big question. Rams at 49ers. Both teams are coming off embarrassing losses. The difference is the Rams are 7-2 and two and have a lot to play for, and the Niners are in a tailspin. The Niners, by the way, have not won a home game since last year. That's how bad it's been. Stafford will be able to pick on the Niners' secondary. It will be up to the Niners' D-line to see if they can get any pressure. Mackenzie, uh, let's go with Kansas City, Las Vegas, to her point. Uh, I mean, Kansas City's struggling here. They haven't shown, like, what they were capable of a, a season ago and two seasons ago. Uh, is this is this a Raiders opportunity here, especially in the West with the uh, division game? Hmm. You know, as much as it tickled me to see those cheese, those grated, poopy, rotten cheese balls in northern Wisconsin lose, um, I'm kind of pulling. You know, I'm kind of pulling for the Chiefs. Normally, I don't pull for them, and I don't I have no problem with them. Like I don't like they fan base and team don't really bother me. But they're, unfortunately, they are an underdog right now. Um, and I really wish that Patty Moe and, you know, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey over there can get it together and, and, and start to turn the season around. Even if they can't get a playoff spot, I want to see them start to rebuild to what they were before. Um, as far as the Raiders are concerned, the Raiders have been hot. You know, the Raiders have had a loss or two. Um, you know, nothing nothing wrong with that. If the game is in the the game is in Arrowhead, correct? Or is it in Vegas? I believe it's in, in Vegas. Okay. If it's in Vegas, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the home field advantage to Vegas, but I'm taking I'm taking Kansas City by seven. Coach, um Thursday night you get uh Jackson against Miami. Miami's kind of a mess right now. Baltimore's coming off two tough battles here. Um, you know, obviously you're you got no love hate, you got or your love hate with Baltimore. But anyways, uh, Jackson here. Do you think they and Andrews and everybody else here? Do they do, do they get a win Thursday night? Basically, is the question. Jacksonville versus Miami. It's uh, Baltimore against Miami. Oh, Baltimore versus Miami. <clears throat> yeah, so I would love for Baltimore to lose, but it's just not going to happen. So I bet Baltimore you do. will beat Miami. Yeah. Miami's not a good team. So that's, uh, you know, it's a foregone conclusion. Lamar's playing good. Baltimore's defense causes turnovers. Miami turns the ball over. It's a pretty easy math equation. All right. So, um, Mackenzie, what do you think of this coming week? Uh, any key games? Uh, we got, got about five minutes here. Anything you're watching besides your game? You know, uh, Thursday night we got Baltimore-Miami. My Rams are playing Monday night, Kansas City, Las Vegas. Um, any other key games? I think uh, she alluded to New England, obviously playing pretty good ball as well. You know, I'm more – I mean, aside from my own game, obviously, I'm really – I've really been keeping an eye on the New England Patriots. And normally I don't pay them no mind either. But Matt Jones is something freaking else. I just, like I said, you know, like I said last week, I just wish he had more parts to throw to. I wish he had, mm-hmm. you know, a running back. Like, I, I wish he had just more parts. Like, he can't do it. I mean, and he's not doing it all by himself. Like, he is the phenom quarterback right now. That Max Jones is that phenom rookie quarterback. I don't care 
what you say, I hope you can get in my inbox, you can DM, tweet me, at me, mention me, whatever. Matt Jones is that dude. And it's disgusting to see because I'm like, literally, like I said last week, Tom Brady 2.0. He's just a, he's about an inch taller and he got blonde hair. That's it. So against Cleveland, Mac, you think uh, they got an opportunity here? Cleveland played pretty well. Chubb's back. Everything it was working out pretty well for Cleveland this past week. So a big test, I think, more for New England than it is for for the Browns. Oh, you know the Cleveland Browns are one of those. I know you're going with coach's team, so let's just finalize it there. I, whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's 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 pump the brakes, princess. Uh, <laughs> I say all that. Okay. Uh, however, I will give the Browns some credit. They have slightly impressed me. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, and I don't know why they interest me so much. It's kind of actually freaking annoying. Because um, I live to irritate Brown fans, I'm not gonna lie. Um, with that being said, you like, you like Coach, so you can, the Browns can't be all that bad. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I love me some Coach Terry. I do. That's my guy. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna have to disappoint him again. I'm gonna go with the Patriots, but only by three. It's not okay. how tight. I think this game's gonna be. It's not gonna be a blowout. And if it is, I will come back on on this podcast to, or next week and eat some crow. I'm going to be salty about it, but I'm going to eat some crow. But if there is a blowout by either team, I don't care. Even if it's the Patriots, what I, the one I pick, or if, it's, if the Browns just come out here and decide that they're going to play like, you know, Tom Brady's seventh Super Bowl ring appearance, I'll come back on here and eat some crow. But I just don't think that's going to happen. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Coach Terry, uh, Tennessee, take care of the Rams right there. They're, look, they're starting to look pretty good here with Tannehill. No Henry. Uh, they're going up against New Orleans with uh, the, not much of a Camara show anymore. It's more like an offensive quarterback mentality here. So what do you think of this matchup? It's an intriguing matchup because both teams are missing key players. Um, I would give the, the Titans the uh, edge because I was very impressed with the, what they did to the Rams. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to go with Titans in this one. So, guys, uh, we got all the lowdown, everything happening. Get the breakdowns right there at the Hub, college football, NFL, plus everything that's happening in the women's game at the Hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. So don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and download over 300 episodes. If you enjoy listening to the Salty One over and over and over, check it out. Download it, replay, and coach as well. So don't forget to subscribe on iHeart, Spotify, and Apple. So, Mackenzie, thanks again for coming in. Really appreciate it. Coach, as always, uh, thanks to Mark Simone uh, for the absent Holly Custis and Nate Ward. We are going to be back here next week, 399, as we break down college football week 11, plus the NFL as well. So uh, stay tuned for the big 400 in two weeks. So check it out. Have a great night, everybody. is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50.